Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm here with Keith Myers with Bill Alston. Here with Keith Myers. Keith, rack up another win. This looks like it's going to be possibly a special season we got here. It could be. Um, this was a win against a team that has looked that looked really good in week one and looks like they could be um, one of the teams competing for, you know, um, Super Bowl berth coming out of the AFC. They're... They're clearly one of the, they're clearly a playoff team talent wise, um, and so uh, for the Seahawks to take care of business and get a win despite some uh, major setbacks and and things, then it, you know it's a good sign. It is a good sign, you know, and I do believe, um, and we'll get into it. Uh, obviously, all of it, but uh, it looks to me like New England's a top ten team. Now, I know Seattle is. I know for a fact Seattle is, especially after two weeks. I knew that going in. I predicted a 12-4 and four record. I knew that they were going to be a top-five team just based on the way that roster was constructed. Uh, didn't know that the offense was going to be special. I thought it was going to be pretty good, but it's it looks like it's going to be pretty, pretty darn special. And then, um, you know... He, you take a look at New England. I thought they dropped off a lot. I mean, uh, they they just lost a bunch of folks in free agency. They really didn't replace, in, in, including their their quarterback they had for twenty years, Tom Brady. Which and, they did uh, but replace, though. I mean, they did, any, and I'm shocked. Any I, belief I, I that Cam shocked. Newton is washed up is. Um, I have to tell no, you, Keith, he's not. He's uh, good. That was the best. And I haven't watched a bunch of Cam Newton games other than the Seahawks, but that's the best that Cam Newton has looked to me as a pass thrower um, in a very long time and against any Seahawk team that we've faced him in the last seven or eight years. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been battling injuries, whether it was his ankle or his shoulder, and, and you could tell there were times when uh, you could tell it hurt to throw the football, but he battled through um, some of that with Carolina. And then, uh, but he's healthy now and you can tell he's healthy because he is just lasering those balls into tight windows and, and looked really good as a passer. Um, I would, I would argue that the um, quarterback change in new England has been an upgrade because for the last three years. Yeah. Right. Um, because I mean, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's one of the top five greatest uh, quarterbacks of NFL history, no matter how you are going to stack it. Um, but if you watch him this year, both games this year, he is not the Tom Brady who was absolutely dominant a few years ago. He's ages started to catch up with him quite a bit. It looked, he looked pretty bad in the first game. He looked better uh, this week, but not... He, it, he, He's 43 and he looks like a 43 year old um, out there playing. And, um, you know, uh, Cam Newton looked like the guy who won the MVP award uh, a few years ago. He looked, yeah, he, he did. He's back. He looked really solid. He's back to being that guy. And um, so I'd say the, um, the Brady to, to Newton 
um, exchange at quarterback has been an upgrade for them, which I'm not talking legacy, right? Because Brady's like an all-timer, and, and Newton is... Um, well, I mean, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves either, Keith, in the fact that, um, quite frankly, we're looking at a pretty poor Seahawks defense overall. Mm-hmm. And so you have to you do have to take that into consideration. How far back are the Seahawks on defense, uh, given the performances that we've seen on the two quarterbacks that have faced them? Now, granted, they're two of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, but... Nonetheless, how much? Uh, we'll how much talk about the, the stats in a while. How much that, of the Seahawks' defense woes are based on the fact they've played two really good offensive teams, um, and how much of it is just there's some problems, especially on the defensive line, the ones that we knew of. What, I mean, these aren't surprises, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk about it all. So let's go into it. Um, let's talk about the New England game in, in just a bit. Let's just talk about. Uh, stuff around the team a little bit mm-hmm. right now um yesterday after game uh a day after the game word came down that we lost bruce urban and marquise blair uh for the year with acl injuries that require surgery um that's a tough blow mm-hmm. to a defense that was i think really kind of counting on marquise blair even more so than urban to fill a unique role uh in the team and then, of course, uh, Bruce Irvin at the Sam linebacker and being able to rush the passer, uh, that is a, certainly a, a position uh, that the team is is weak on to begin with. And then to lose Bruce Irvin is, is something that's going to hurt a little bit. And the question becomes uh, right away, how does the team address replacing those two particular players? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is a it is definitely concerning. Uh, it was it was a bigger deal. Uh, this week as far as losing Blair uh, than it will be in other games because it happened immediately after um, Steph or Quandre Diggs um, had been uh, had been ejected from the game for a helmet to helmet hit, um, which I don't think like it was definitely a penalty. It deserved the 15 yards. I wouldn't have, I don't believe I agree. I don't believe it was, um, Automatic ejection. ejection worthy. I think that if you look, he, uh, he he tries to lead with his shoulder. The the receiver came down into the hit. I mean, there's there's definitely some things there. I, I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty. It was 15 yards, personal foul, fine. But it's not a. Um, I don't believe it was ejection worthy. It wasn't my decision, obviously, because uh, he was ejected. But losing both the starting free safety and the primary backup slash um, nickel, uh, back, a, all in within a couple of minutes of each other, um, meant that basically they were really hurting, uh, at safety. So, um, yeah. now and that, it threw Adams into coverage more so than they probably wanted him in coverage yeah. and it showed, I mean, he really kind of struggled a little bit in that role without kind of preparing for that role, uh, all week. Mm-hmm. Um, but now going forward, uh, it looks like a is is in line to take the Blair snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that makes the most sense given what we have currently on the roster. And you're going to see him out and making moves. You're going to see Lano Hill too. I mean, he, Lano Hill's been playing uh, these first two weeks, uh, mm-hmm. and he played actually. Uh, I think one of the things that people aren't um, aren't recognizing is that he played pretty dang well in that um, free safety slot, even though. 
he was like he's like the third string uh free safety um yeah and well, he's been in the defense for a while yep and uh you know he's earned his minutes and, and he's going to get him now um bruce Irvin. it sounds like uh the coach is is ready to go with uh, brooks and uh and wright and wagner there and cody barton's able to come in mm-hmm. um this is where the depth at linebacker is going to pay off because we we were talking yeah. about this um, you know, in the lead up to the season, this is a team with five linebackers that are good enough to start. Um, and you only need three starting linebackers. So Irvin gets hurt, goes out, you know, Jordan Brooks, their first round pick, who is probably the most athletic of the group at this point in their careers, um, you know, now gets a chance to play. And in, in, for most teams in any other year, uh, Brooks would have started from day one because they're like, okay, yeah, he might not, he might make more mistakes, but we've got to get this guy ready. We've got to get him uh, up to speed because he is, has the potential to be a special player, and we are going to need that. Um, but the Seahawks, feeling like they were uh, in, a, they have an opportunity to be great um, this year. Wanted to go with veterans, didn't want rookie mistakes to cost them a game, so they um, right. they played Irvin and they let uh, they let Brooks mature a little bit he's only played 15 defensive snaps um but he now if becomes there's a ever a year to throw a guy in this would be it you know i know that they want to win now and i get that but he's surrounded by so much talent even though the defense is struggling yep. there's talent around him immediately around him that is going to be able to help him yeah um, i mean he's in, gonna in be, this role he's gonna be surrounded with um kj and wagner at linebacker and he's got adams at strong right. safety, right? Exactly. You could not ask for a better group of guys to put around a rookie linebacker, um, just in, in pure experience and talent and, and everything. I mean, that's, this is Absolutely. a great opportunity and situation for him. And he's, and that's why I don't feel so bad about the Irvin thing. I, I feel really bad for Irvin himself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the team can definitely use that. Um, but this is a great opportunity for Brooks in a role I think he will thrive in ultimately it's just going to take a few games for him to get completely comfortable out there. He may not get comfortable, you know, all year, but at least he's going to be able to increase that play speed mm-hmm. in the next three or four games. Um, and it, it'll eventually I think pay huge dividends for the Seahawks. And it won't, this is also a thing that when it, look, you look at the depth and whatever, if somebody else, something else happens, I mean, Cody Barton started a bunch of games last year, had a little, you know, it was a little rough at the beginning, but definitely improved with, um, with playing time. He's still sitting there. He's now the back primary backup, um, at all three positions. Although I think if, who's, if, who's that Cody Barton? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if Wagner missed, uh, considerable time, I think they'd move, uh, Brooks inside and, and play Barton at the Sam, but, um, still, I mean, you, you've got a starting caliber linebacker, uh, still, on the bench backing up all the other, the other three guys. And so, um, you know, they're, they're still in, in great shape at linebacker. And I also, I agree. I, I feel terrible for Irvin. He signed a one year deal, um, five and a half million with the idea that he would come in, he would, um, get a chance to come home, uh, to Seattle and, um, play in the defense that really made him look the best. Um, and, you know, maybe cash in next year. And now instead he's going to be, you know, injured trying to get back to the point where he can pass a physical just to get signed 
uh, in time for training camp and all of that. It's he's it's just a rough spot for him. Should have been a um, a bounce back year for him, and instead now he's heading to injured reserve and massive surgery and all that kind of stuff. Oish. So let's finish up with some some roster moves, and then we'll talk about the game for a little bit because it was it was awfully fun. So I don't I don't want to just completely dismiss it. Um, they're protecting uh, Stefan Sullivan uh, on the practice squad. So they're going to protect him. He's not promoted to the 53 yet, but he's protected. So no other teams can go and poach him off the practice squad this week. That's an interesting move given the, uh, the fact that uh, Philip Dorsett went to uh, IR for at least three weeks uh, today. Mm-hmm. That was a move that the team just announced right before we pushed the record button. And so those two moves are, uh, are somewhat interesting. Um, although we both, uh, realized, I think at this point, Philip Dorsett wasn't going to be ready to play. Uh, he had this foot thing going on. Apparently he's had this foot thing for a long time. The only people that didn't know he didn't have the foot thing were the Seahawks, which pulls into question, like what's going on with the, with the medical part of the front office. I think because of evaluates COVID, players. I think because of COVID there was a uh, limited. Yeah, but shouldn't that be on the disclosure form? Like, okay, let me list out all your injuries. Right? Yeah. Well, no, it should be part I mean, of the disclosure so form. And so if the team, like if the, if this becomes a thing and he just, he never plays all year, I think that the team can um, go after you know his like his signing bonus or some of his salary and that kind of stuff um it's not a good look for philip dorsett it's really not be honest you know the thing is he he came out early in camp and practiced and looked really good right you know so i think there was some belief that you know the 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 injury that's kind of you know been nagging back when he was with the patriots um is was gone but then it, it flared back up and now it's a thing and now he's missed He's been, uh, he hasn't played these first two weeks. Now he's headed to IR, so it's going to be a minimum of five games. Um, yeah, you know. if you count the three that he's going to be gone plus the bye, and then he's probably got a practice week. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking a minimum of five weeks, maybe seven uh, weeks into the season um, before they get him back and all of that. It. It's really it's insurance it's, right now. It's unfortunate um, because I, I think they really wanted. Uh, they really had a role in mind for him, especially when they cut Paul Richardson. Um, yeah. Uh, luckily for the team, uh, David Moore has stepped up and played well. He has looked um, like a guy who, I mean, the, we, we knew the talent was there for the last couple of years, but he would disappear for long stretches and just, it's like he wasn't even out there, but he was. Um, and so far it looks like he stepped up and has improved and, and, you know, they're going to get more consistent production out of him. Um, we're only two weeks the in, whole but offense so far. is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's in beyond midseason form. Let's, let's talk all about it, but let's get, let's get to these other things first. So uh, coach said that Alton Robinson obviously would get playing time this week. He'll be active. Uh, that's straight out of uh, coach Carroll's uh, press conference yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, about time. That's, and, and we both have said that he should have been active given the, glowing remarks that he had all pre not preseason, but all training camp uh, looked like he was going to be able to step in and make a, a contribution, especially with Daryl Taylor, another player, the Seahawks uh, have some questionable uh, decision uh, on regarding injury. Um, but with Daryl Taylor now uh, on injured reserve, 
Alton Robinson looked to get those snaps, and so far it's been nothing. So now, given the injuries and the lack of production, it's time for Alton Robinson to show up. You know, it really is. Yeah, We and, need him. And it's not, I mean, I'm looking at this and I go, okay, I, I get the team wanting to, you know, play veterans and avoid, you know, rookie mistakes and all of that. But when guys like DeMonte Moore are getting major playing time, he was, the you know, one of the, um, in that key series at the end of the game, right? When, when yeah. um, the Patriots had a chance to drive down and win, um, DeMonte Moore was the guy playing that rush inside. Um, that's not a good look for Seattle's defense to have a guy that uh, was available a week before training camp or yeah, a week before training camp ended. He was just, well, out it's there. not like he's played bad. I mean, check this out. Uh, Demontre Moore has a pass rush win rate, uh, which is beating his man uh, that he's, that he's lined up uh, with in under 2.5 seconds. Or, or less of uh, 38%, which is currently fourth in the NFL. So a really he's taking small advantage of this. Yeah, but it is a small sample size. But nonetheless, with the, with the uh, snaps that he is getting, he's taking advantage of this. And that's all you can ask for a guy like that. So I don't want to throw him too far. No, this. true. But I'm just saying, like, he isn't, a, he isn't starter caliber talent. No, we can all agree. Well, and on neither that, is right? neither is Benson Mayoa. Let's True. talk about Benson Mayoa. Benson Mayoa took ninety percent of the snaps and had zero pass rush win rate, zero pressures, zero quarterback hit. He's also zero sacks. He shouldn't be taking ninety percent of the snaps. Exactly, that's 30, my point. He should be taking thirty to thirty-five percent of the snaps. Um, yeah. And when you're not getting production out of your primary starting Leo, like nothing. I mean, he had the sack against uh, Ryan, which was awesome. Um, but nothing else. So, well, he, uh, okay. he's, it's not like it's not like he's giving the team less than they got last year out of Ezekiel Anza. Because speaking of which, he signed with the 49ers who are decimated. Oh God, we talk about that too. They are, they are, they are, they yeah. are. In we'll, t- we'll talk trouble. about we'll talk about that. So, okay, and the the team uh, promoted Lyndon Stevens, their nickel corner uh, off mm-hmm. the practice squad, had a great camp. Really, their only other true slot corner in camp this uh, this year, went to the practice squad after being cut, now back onto the 53, given the situation with Marquise Blair. And then Kyle Fuller came off of the uh, NFL suspension list for PED. Uh, he's a guard center, uh, was in camp as kind of a third string guy. Now the team needs to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Currently the, the, the roster is three players short of being full right now this very second Kyle Furler would be one that they could promote and put on the on the active or they can cut him and chances are for me they're gonna cut uh, coming out of camp I thought they were going to cut him and then he got suspended and now it saved him for a couple of weeks they um you know they they yeah. held on to that given the fact that anything can happen in the NFL and they don't have to pay uh, him he doesn't count against the cap right. all that kind of so stuff. I would imagine he gets cut but that leaves three holes uh, well, when you take a look at Irvin you t- hold on. You take. A, I'm counting this. You take a look at Irvin. You take a look at Blair, and you take a look at what's the other player that we're down? Dorsett. And now we've got three holes. You've just promoted Lyndon Stevens. That gives you there's two. One, there's one, there's two left. Mm-hmm. They protected Sullivan. Didn't add him. So no. We still have two plays. Two openings left. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing about protecting him is it might be that. 
they plan on bringing him up a week from now, but be- for this week they're going to bring up someone else um, because they they need someone they need someone specific on defense, right? And then, but you know, it's a one week thing, and then you bring yeah. Sullivan up to replace um, Dorsett a week from now. Um, so that's a kind of kind of situation that would go there. They have two spots left because you know Stevens is coming up. Um, the other uh, player that um, what I've seen is it's pretty much just assumed he's going to be activated off the practice squad would be um, Shaquem Griffin, uh, who gives you linebacker special teams and pass rush ability. Granted, he would be, you know, back up and, and kind of buried on the ben- bench a little bit, but he does provide similar uh, role skill set that Bruce Irvin did. So it yeah. would kind of make sense for him to um, to come up and, and become uh, Jordan Brooks's, you know, kind of backup and insurance. So, you know, you get him and you, you needed a, you needed a nickel corner after Blair, they got Stevens and then you're going to need, you know, a wide receiver to replace Dorsett. And maybe they, maybe they do that and they bring Sullivan up or maybe they don't. And, you know, they wait a week to do that and they bring up someone else. But I don't think that, um, I mean, Kyle Fuller, I guess, would be, you know, he gets activated and has a spot because of the the Dorsett decision hasn't been made yet as far as who's going to replace him. But the likelihood that he re- he's, he sticks on the roster more than a couple of days here, I think, is pretty low. Interesting. Um, all right. Let's talk about the game. Um <laughs> What a crazy game. So it's it seemed like everything was going just really swell, except for the, the, the leadoff mistake. Um, and then uh, it seemed like we were just kind of in, we went into to halftime tied. And then it seemed like we were just going to be able to kind of take care of business in the second half. But uh, Cam Newton happened. Mm-hmm. And um, but so did Russell Wilson. I mean, it was a great battle of, of quarterbacks in this game. Russell Wilson ended up 21 and 28 for 288 yards and five touchdowns. And the only interception he had was not his fault. No, it bounced, uh, bounced. right off um, it did. Greg Olson's hands, <laughs> which, you know, it's not like he's throwing to, you know, some no name, you know, player. Right. We're talking about a guy who's um, Hall of Famer. Hall, yeah, almost certainly, because, you know, with he was an all pro a couple of years. He's been a pro bowler forever. Um, you just don't expect that guy to make that mistake. But. That's football. It bounced right off his hands, right into into a def, uh, defensive player's hands, and forty three yard pick six. Yep, and the Seahawks are down um, seven nothing instantly. Yeah, right, instantly, right on the first drive, second play, or whatever. I mean, it's it's just one of those things too that now, given the fact that we saw Russell Wilson's day um, or or night, uh, you just know that we we're going to open up with a with a touchdown drive there or at least three points and it would have just completely changed the the whole game. But anyway, I don't think it, um, that, honestly, like you look at what happened after that, the CX got the ball back after, you know, from off the kickoff and Wilson drove him down yeah. for a touchdown and tied it up. Lock it. Yeah. Um, Through to lock it in the back of the end zone on a really nice sidearm swing out. I mean, that was a great play. Yeah. That was an underrated pass by Russell. Oh, Wilson. yeah, because if you look, there was a guy right there in the passing lane. He had to drop down and go completely sidearm in order to get it uh, over to him. And 
uh, he did. And it was accurate. And it was a touchdown. And it was just lovely. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, just like every other freaking throw. I mean, out of all the touchdowns, so check it out. It's like you have the Lockett touchdown. And then you had that Metcalf epic showdown with Gilmore. Right? The best, the, the NFL player of the year last year, defensive player of the year. And he had just a, a really nice game against him. It was solid. It wasn't like spectacular special, but he was facing off against one of the most physical corners in the game. And Metcalf is one of the most physical wide receivers. I almost want to watch the, the all 22 film just to watch that matchup all game because it wasn't just the pass catching. Mm-hmm. It was the blocking and the, and the after the catch, the, the extra that uh, DK Metcalf was given to Gilmore and that sideline thing where that, where uh, Gilmore, drug Medcalf uh, into the, into the uh, Seahawks bench uh, after he felt like he was being blocked too long after the, after the whistle. <laughs> and it just plays like that, that you, that tell you everything you need to know about the steps that Medcalf has taken this year to be a premier number one wide receiver in the NFL. And I am so jacked about it. I mean, so man. So um, we talked about in the lead up to the game that uh, Bill, J- Bill Belichick, um, you know, his teams, they pick something that you do well um, offensively and they take it away from you. That, like that's that's the calling card. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know what it was going to be, but we knew they were going to take something away from Seattle that Seattle wanted and then um, force the rest of it, you know, the rest of the offense to um, to beat you. And then also, if you're expecting to be able to, you know, utilize whatever that, that item is – you know, this kind of throws uh, an inefficiency in at you. Based on what we saw, what they wanted to take away from Seattle was uh, DK Metcalf. They put their best defensive player, the reigning defensive player of the year, on Metcalf for 87% of Metcalf snaps. Yeah. Hadn't allowed a touchdown, you know, for ages. Yep. And... And just and, and a passer rating that was off the charts and just crazy. And then Metcalf showed up. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, the end, the end result was four receptions, 92 yards and a touchdown, um, which isn't doesn't sound like I mean, it's it's definitely it's very good, but it doesn't sound like, you know, like he dominated or anything like that. But if you saw that 54 yard TD where it was tight coverage and Wilson just yes. dropped the ball in there perfectly and. You know, Metcalf shielded with the with his body, and then you know caught the ball through contact, oh. kept his balance, left Gilmore sitting there on the ground, and just walked yeah, into gave the him end a zone. stiff arm into the ground, yeah, and 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 backed into the end zone. Yep, and just that was beautiful. Yeah. That was just that was a beautiful play, and and you, it was all the more special when you knew the player that Metcalf did it against. Mm-hmm. You know that guy wasn't going to back down from anybody. I mean, Gilmore's a great player. He's a he's got a lot of pride. And he he wanted to be as physical as he could, physical as uh, Richard Sherman was in his best day. Right, this is that matchup, mm-hmm. and uh, Metcalf got every bit of of Gilmore and on this day. Metcalf won that matchup, so they wanted. I mean, because they could have put Gilmore on anyone. They could have put him on Lockett, and and you know tried to take Lockett away from Seattle. They could have um, schemed, you know, left everyone kind of um, on an island a little bit, and tried to scheme and take. Um, you know, Chris Carson and the running game away, but they didn't, they tried to take DK Metcalf away from Seattle and he still went for 92 yards and a touchdown. And that had a lot to do with the reason why the CX came away with it, with the W on here because totally. And it's great news for Seattle yeah. and it's, 
bad news for everybody else. Because, because how many how many how many teams have a guy that you can put on Metcalf and shut him down? Well, we just found out. Yeah, because there's there's none. I mean, DK Metcalf is going to win virtually every every matchup that he wants to win. Mm-hmm. He will win. So because you either, that's how good he is. You either have to double team him on every play yes, or right. he's going to hurt you. Um, the only, the only other um, matchup that, that where we need to watch and see that, well, maybe there's someone who can might be Patrick Peterson and uh, the Arizona Cardinals. And we'll see. Um, Peterson's got more speed uh, than Gilmore, but Gilmore is much more physical. So uh, it, you know, the, you, it's just really difficult to describe just how big it was that Metcalf was able to take on um, that matchup and win. And like I said, it just wasn't the catches. It was the the physical nature in which Metcalf went at Gilmore on every play, blocking plays, run plays, um, where uh, he blocked him you know, out of the way, where he, uh, after the catch, turned and just faced him and ran him down and then kept plowing him backwards it was it was awesome so and then uh more david moore's having you mentioned him earlier he's having a great uh, season so far it's only two games but good signs for david moore that catch where he backed into the end zone there oh, right off over the pylon yeah. was, was special it really really was it was a, it was a gr- incredible throw into the tiniest window by um russell wilson but to, for for more to get control of it not bobble it at all tight coverage again yeah very tight coverage and get that second foot down um as he's falling down at, you know that it was it that was great i mean it was just fantastic so and freddie swain had a wide open touchdown where he ran in from 20 yards out that mm-hmm. was a great scheme play by the way that pulled the entire defense of new england to the left and um and swain crossed uh, over uh, the right side of the defense, and mm-hmm. and, and so that was that, and th- that was a that was a great play design because uh, you had Tyler Lockett line up at tailback, and yeah, so you yeah, have that's right you have half of the uh, Patriots you know back seven covering as if there's three wide receivers on that side, and the other half of the back seven covering as if there's two receivers on that side. Because some of them accounted for Lockett and some of them didn't. Um, like they thought they, they counted to him as a running back. And that's what created um, that situation for Swain yes. to be wide open, just completely uncovered, easy, you know, pitch and catch for um, for Wilson to a wide open Swain. And then Swain just had to, you know, run it in from there. But And showed f- good Spain doing it too, by the way. Yeah. Just a fan- fantastic play design. Um Got to give uh, Shoddy a ton of credit for that one because it, it's something that you wouldn't have expected. It's not on, you know, obviously because it's uh, no preseason, there's no film on that kind of stuff. And the team, the Patriots just didn't know how to handle it, right? They just didn't know what to do. It would have been, in, to me, I would have called timeout, but because there's miscommunication going on at the line of scrimmage before the play is, is snapped and mm-hmm. then. Uh, if I was, you know, the guy, the linebacker, I would have called a timeout in that situation. But, um, and then the last, the last touchdown I thought was, was the crowning uh, achievement on, um, on Wilson's day was that, uh, 
was that throw to Carson out of the backfield, uh, a nice looping tight spiral uh, right over his shoulder in the end zone for the, for the TD. Um, that's a special connection developing right now between Carson and Wilson. Carson has three receiving touchdowns in two weeks. He is a power running back that you want running people over between the tackles, right? And yet here he is with three receiving touchdowns out of the backfield. That has got to be giving defensive coordinators a lot of heartburn because how just figuring out how to account for that. You know, you're, if your cues are about him coming up the middle and, and running people over, if that's what you're you're queuing on if you're a linebacker and then you see it Wilson drop back and you got to pick up the coverage and for Carson to be that good in his routes and in his receiving and, and all of that, like it's just making life really hard for opposing linebackers to know what to do. Well, and you take a look at, at Wilson, Keith, um, he's just making all the right decisions right now. Oh, he like is. Um, there's not very many throws that are going into the wrong spots. Now you can take a look at that third and one long throw to lock it being pretty much the only mistake of the game. It came in a bad time where they were trying to close out two minutes left in the game. You want, all you need to do is pick up that first down and it's, it's pretty much over. Yeah. But you look at what, uh, what Wilson saw and he saw one-on-one coverage. Yeah. But that play was kind of screwed up from the very beginning. It was cause it was a terrible snap. Um, but he saw Got one, him on, a, on their heels right away. Yeah. He had a, he had one-on-one coverage on that side and he had Lockett inside. So there was so much space, uh, between Lockett and the sideline for Wilson to drop the ball into. I don't, I don't necessarily have a decision or a problem with the decision. I mean, obviously it would have been better had he thrown it about a foot shorter and then, you know, Lockett would have caught it and the game would have been over right there. But you look at the reads of what Wilson made, and I hated the play call at the time, but then I went back and, and rewatched it, and he had, his pre-snap read was that Lockett's going to be open out there. And when that uh, snap ended up two yards to his right, and he had to go over and grab it, and didn't have time to collect the ball and yeah. survey the field. He just, he had to go make sure not that the that the snap didn't get by him. And was not looking at the defense because he was trying to make you know account for the bad snap. He p- picks his head up and verifies that his pre-snap read was right that the safety wasn't going to be over there, and he let the ball fly because that's what he had time for. Um, a good snap there, and he may have you know that was gone, tight coverage. It was, but he knew he had single coverage with a lot of real estate over there for Lockett to use. Um, But I think, you know, a a good snap and he finds a a slant route or an out route, something that's going to get them four yards and a first down and the game's going to be over. Or he could have run it. I mean, he could have put it, pulled it down and and ran that, you know? So it's a, it's a tough deal, you know, especially given the fact that we had gained 140 yards or whatever on the ground at that point in the game. Mm Um, now, uh, last week it worked out great. We, we scored on the DK Metcalf situation, but this week it, it could have cost us. I mean, and it's interesting because it, it didn't feel like the game was in jeopardy until that moment. And then you realize that new England was going to get the ball back and Cam Newton has been really good. And sure enough, our defense gave up all that real estate until 
uh, the one yard line and they couldn't punch it in. And it was basically heroic play by Wagner Hill and Collier mm-hmm. that uh, prevented Cam Newton from, from going in from the one yard line. He'd been successful already two times. Um, I was dreading that play. Honestly, I thought for sure it's it was so gonna, hard to stop Cam in. from getting one yard. He was he'd like been nineteen rushes from the one and never had a a loss like that. Yeah, because I mean, because when you set it up right, he's uh, his size and running power and all of that, and then the fact that you're he can just take the ball and read it and go. There's no handoff happening. Uh, there's an extra blocker because you know he's the guy that's going to handle it. You pretty much can't stop him from gaining one yard unless you absolutely 100% sell out. Yes, that's exactly right. And what we saw um, earlier was the team sell out uh, to stop that. And he like took that step forward and then just stopped and threw the ball to the fullback who was wide open for, um, you know, because if you're going to pick your poison, right? Yeah. And so as a team, you know, you were, what are you going to do there? And, uh, the team sold out again to stop Newton because you were like, okay, they're not going to throw it twice from that spot. Um, and they guessed right. And it was... Yeah, um, they did guess right. And even guessing right and, and selling out And it was Bobby Wagner it, that made that call. Yeah. Um, even guessing right and all of that doesn't guarantee you're stopping Cam Newton from gaining a yard. Right? Um, and, but... Oh, he could have easily bounced that thing outside and been home. But... Uh, Collier penetrated through and Cam recognized that uh, he was going to get like, you know, that Collier was there on, you know, um, low and he, he went up, tried to go over the top of Collier. um, And got clipped and got just, he got his ankles clipped, got his ankles clipped by, um, by Hill and, uh, Wagner came in and finished him off and that was it. Seahawks win. But it was um, it, two very unlikely heroes with Collier and Hill that were the guys that really made that play happen. And um, and thankfully. Absolutely. <laughs> but right? that's, that's, how close, that's how close this game was. I mean, it really yeah, came down I to know. that. And it go, just goes to show you, like, I know um, – the, the Patriots are kind of this hated team because they've been good for so long and because they cheat constantly and all of that. But when was the last time that these two teams played and it wasn't fun? Well, I mean, it's been a one-score game at the one or two-yard line mm-hmm. the last three times we've played, including the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you you go back to – I was thinking about this because, um, you know, the year that the, the Seahawks went 2-14 um, and 14 and ended up with the second overall pick in the draft – the team that went one and fifteen and got the first overall pick was the Patriots. So they were both terrible at the same time as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So uh, this game um, was a lot more balanced on the offense uh, it was. this week. Um, Carson had seventeen rushes, seventy-two yards. I mentioned earlier the team had one hundred and forty or something overall yards. Wilson had thirty yards. Um, or 21 yards on a, on a carry. Uh, 39, look, 39 yards total. Um, they look so efficient. They look so efficient in two games. Wilson has 82.5% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, 9.7 yards per attempt, 11 incompletions. So he's got almost more touchdowns than he has incompletions. And that one interception, again, that wasn't his fault. Um, 
it's just crazy. And then uh, I noticed there was a couple of players that are that are playing really well, and one of them is Damian Lewis, um, which I think is just really understated right now because he plays right guard. But <laughs> he's one of the best right guards in the game right now, according he's, to Pro Football Focus. He's, he's had the third some, best he's had running bad, guard in the NFL. He's had some bad penalties, and people are going to focus on that. But he's also a rookie, and you got to give a rookie time to develop. He's the third um, highest graded offensive rookie overall. When the team needs to run, when they need yards, they run right every single time. Go back and, and watch it. When they need yards on the Not ground. Not over Dwayne Brown. No. Uh, they run right every single time when it's third and one and they run the ball. Go like, go, go look at the tape. They run behind Damian Lewis. And that right there by itself is huge that they have that much faith in that rookie that they when they when they need a play. One yard, whatever they run behind their rookie, and they know they're going to get it. So right now, overall, we're seventh in rushing um, in DVOA rankings. Uh, we haven't been running the ball a lot, but when we do run, we're doing it successfully. A pass offense, obviously number one. Uh, pass defense, twenty ninth. Rush def- uh, defense, fifth. We're second overall in DVOA rankings. It's been a while since we've been up there that high. Mm-hmm. Feels kind of good. Um, I noticed the. Um, uh, all of the, uh, you know, the 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 ranking team rankings uh, come out today. Like ESPN does their weekly update, um, et cetera, and we're we're steadily moving up. I think we're you know second or third on almost uh, most of the primary yep. uh, team team rankings out there. Somewhere so between one and somewhere between one and three on all the power rankings everywhere. Um, yes, we're and, legit. And and we talked about that before the, the yep. season. Um, we knew our offense was going to be good. Like I said uh, early on in the in the show, didn't know it was going to be so special so quickly. Um, it's it's interesting to me how uh, I think it's the offensive line, Keith. It is um, that is allowing Wilson's Wilson more time. to be comfortable. Yep. And when Wilson's comfortable, it's over. <laughs> So it's they've over. given up five sacks in two games, which doesn't sound like they're doing great. Um, I get that. I hear that. I see that. And yes, there are times when free blockers come and he's running for his life and all that. But compare the pressure stats this year versus last year versus the year before. He is having more time. He's getting better blocking. Um, it's been it's been outstanding. And part a lot of it, uh, Dwayne Brown is healthy and you can tell um last year he had that uh that pec injury that was or no it was a bicep injury that really hurt him and you could tell um and this year he doesn't have that he's healthy he's feeling good uh and wilson trusts him and he's not you know worrying about it and um shell on the other side for the most part is doing really well in in pass blocking whereas effetti was useless um Fetty had a great game at guard for uh, for, for Chicago. The, yep. By the way, he did. Um, I always, I kept telling. How many times have I did I say he is a guard the entire time? Like he four need, years worth. He needs to be playing guard. Play him at guard, and you use his talents, um, and he can be really, really special. But they played him at tackle, 
where he, his feet were way too slow and he was never going to be good. Um, Chicago moves him to guard and guess what? He looks really good at guard. Yeah. He's the third ranked <laughs> guard overall. In, I, and in I'm not surprised. And good, and good for him. You know what I mean? Like we, we've spent a lot of time, um, you know, on this show and just as Seahawk fans hating on, um, on Jermaine Effetti over the last few years, but good up for him to go out and perform and play well. I'm really ecstatic for him. Um, he's finally been put in a situation where a team is using his talents appropriately and he is taking advantage of that situation completely. It's amazing. It's awesome. And uh, he deserves all the success. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy for him. So agree or disagree, the Seahawks team's ceiling rests with its defensive line. It does. That's what's going right now. It's what's holding them back. Literally, we are have our best Super Bowl opportunity. I know it's only two games in, but this is our best Super Bowl opportunity we've had since 2015. And we have this defensive line. And we knew it. We knew it in the offseason. We knew it on the last snap of the last game at the last playoffs in 2020, January. Mm-hmm. We knew that this was going to be needing to be addressed. And here we are. Second season or second game is done. We know what we have. We know what we are. We know what we lack. Here's the Super Bowl sitting right in front of us for the taking. Anybody can take it. Seahawks are primed ready. Wilson's going to have an MVP level year. It it just is going to happen. And then we've got this defense that is just maybe the Achilles heel for this whole thing. Well, and I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, can we, can the team fix this? I think Alton Robinson has an opportunity to, to have a big impact and really help things out. Um, one of the big um, problems that the team has right now is that Jerron Reed just hasn't been good. And they paid him like $10.5 million to come he back. He was getting held pretty darn good against New England. Um, he in was. The middle there. But I'm just saying, like they paid him a lot to come in and hope that he could return back close to his um, 2018 level, where he had 10.5 sacks and looked great. Um and not what he played last year when he had the suspension and then never really got back into the swing of things and everything. But he overall has not been good. He has not really been impactful in at any moment in any game. It's only two games, but in any moment in either game. Um, and yes, he was getting held, so that that stopped him you know, from doing that a little bit. And of course, those holds never get called. Um, Do you know who's playing well? Brian Monet. Brian Monet actually has played pretty well against the run. He's ranked, while well, he's also ranked eighth in the entire NFL in pass rush win rate for a defensive tackle. Uh, see, I don't buy that because I don't see him. Okay, he might win against the guard, but he's so slow, he's not putting any pressure on the quarterback. I agree. We're, we're still not like, affecting the quarterback. Yeah, so I, I, to me that doesn't mean, that, that's meaningless. Our um, pressure, pressure rate overall is 17.5% after two games, ranks 29th in the NFL. God, that's awful. Um I think Alton Robinson has a chance to, to greatly impact that. Um, hopefully, um, you know, um, Taylor gets back and has an opportunity to, to come in and do that. Losing Rasheem Green to injury has been um, 
kind of a game time decision, by the way, according to Pete Carroll, kind of an understated uh, problem for this team. So they're, they're down Irvin, they're down green, they're down um, Taylor. Uh, This team desperately needs a pass rusher. It's interesting, Keith, because I totally agree with everything you've just said, but um, it's interesting because we've been ahead in the, in, in games, you know, from the first quarter on um, in, in, that we've played so far. And it puts your defense in an in- interesting situation where teams are then going away from their run and throwing the ball all over. I mean, Seattle's defense is surrendering 485 yards a game, ranked 32nd. Um, versus New England, we had five quarterback hits on 48 dropbacks. Two of those were by Adams. One was by Wagner. So our defensive line, Irvin and Dramonte Moore, had one each. That's and 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 the sack was by Adam. So uh, we're literally getting nothing from our defensive line on pass, mm-hmm. um, pass pressure, and so something's gotta gotta give. I think the Alton Robinson thing, I thought should have happened right away. Remember the the first year that uh, Ford was on the team, Keith, and yes. they, they practice squad him, and then they. They put him on the roster, but then didn't play him for like four or five weeks. And he's just sitting there. And then he comes and in for he, the he last comes in six and just games completely and blows it up. Very, very game, right? good. Yeah. And so the, I'm hoping the same thing is going on with Alton Robinson. It's like all of a sudden he's just, he's put into the fire. Mm-hmm. And is the kid going to respond? You know, and my hope is that he's just better than everybody else on the field, just like he was in practice. And I don't understand sometimes how stubborn Pete Carroll can be about these sorts of things. For God's sakes, he's just a pass rusher. We're not asking him to diagnose his d- defenses or drop back into coverage necessarily uh, 100% of the time. We're asking him to come in for 15 snaps, and in those 15 snaps, we're asking him to unleash himself onto the quarterback. That is his job. That's his only job. That requires physical talent. And it's something that he's good at. And he's something he's good at. Let's just go with that. Let's just don't make it complicated. Just unleash the kid and let him use his physical gifts to bring down a quarterback or two. So um, one of the things coming out of training or out of, uh, yeah, you can call it training camp. It wasn't really, there was was no preseason. Um, And even after week one, because, you know, Gurley had some big yards early on in that game before the CX offense um, forced Matt Ryan to throw every down. But uh, there was some concern about the pass defense. Uh, Carolina, oh, not Carolina, oh, Cam Newton, um, 11 rushes for 47 yards was the only effective runner. For, Everyone else had 20 yards total. Yeah. Combined. 20, it, it combined with Newton, um, 25 uh, carries for 67 yards. That's two and a half yards a carry. Just yeah. the, the running backs themselves it was 14 carries for 20 yards. A little I over. Anthony Rush that came in off the practice squad did a very effective job in 15 snaps. I'm anxious to see what else he can do in there. Yeah. Um, so I've been, uh, I, I was, I was happy to see uh, that. And, and to me, that is what their defensive tackles are for. Uh, Brian Monet, I know you're saying he, he beats guards and stuff, but he's so slow. He doesn't affect the quarterback. What he does do is and that's defend, not his job. He he defends the run really well. Yes, right. Um, Puna Ford defends the run really well. Um, and it's and Anthony showed. Rush is three hundred and fifty pounds. 
I mean, yeah. I don't think we're going to have a problem in the middle now defending the run. I think <clears> on the edges we're suspect on outside zone mm-hmm. runs and then our pass rush. I mean, we just need to figure that out. And we can't blitz all the time. We saw kind of what happens to a player like Adams when you blitz him all the time and then ask him also to drop back into coverage too. He's just, he's spread so far out that yeah. sometimes you don't do an effective job on, on both. They were asking and he, and he had a everything. rating of 47 point something from uh, pro football focus. And I don't care And he about gave that. up tons of yards and coverage. He did, know. but you know what he didn't give up? Touchdowns. Um, so yeah, he gave up that the longest play of Julian Edelman's career, or something like that. Was that was a fantastic throw. Was, I gotta say that was a, a and a fantastic catch on top of it. But you look at what happens, right? Edelman is not a guy that goes deep. He never goes deep. He's always going across the field, always on the inside. All of that when he cut in, uh, Adams like broke on the route and and came up. Um, and then Edelman like broke back up and and caught uh, Adams like out of position. But we're, you talk about like that's a one play in a season kind of move for Julian Edelman. He's not going to do that. Um, and so I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, if if Diggs had been in there at free safety, it might not have mattered because now you've got your Pro Bowl free safety to clean up the mistake. And they didn't have that. So whatever. Um, I'm really not that concerned about Adams. Um, yeah, he well, gave up a couple. I'm of, not concerned about Adams. Yeah, I mean, he, no. he did give up a couple of receptions. I'm just more concerned. Okay. Here's what I'm concerned about. I'm more concerned with uh, Ken Norton Jr. Um, and his ability to put together a, a, a game plan. Now, I realize we're 2-0. And we've done enough to win games. But at some point, our defense is going to bite us and we are going to give out on on some of these things. I mean, (coughs) excuse me. We saw it with both Atlanta and New England. Both of those offenses can hang with Seattle, you know, if given enough opportunities. And no, Seattle's not going to win every single offensive possession. Uh, We're not going to score every single time, you know, and so... The, uh, when you allow teams to hang around, teams. it's tough. Yeah, they, those are very good offensive teams, no doubt. Yeah, Some of the best we're going to face all year. Yeah. You know, if you take a look at the, the schedule. Those two in Arizona uh, it, are it really very the only ones I'm, you know, they're, they're just not, they're, they're, they're not going to be facing well, this Dallas that level. team coming up. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But this Dallas team could come in and put up some yards and points. Yeah. In fact, I expect them to, actually, given our defense. But we'll talk about that. Let's talk about the NFC West really quick first. Okay. Um, and, and injuries in so general. The, the NFC West as a whole is 7-1. and one, Which and, is crazy. And the one loss is the 49ers losing to Arizona. So one of those teams had to lose, right? Because they're playing each other. Um, so 7-1, and one, the best possible record that the division could have at this point is what they have. Yeah. It's it's nuts. I mean, you take a look at Arizona. Uh, they look good. They, and we talked about this, that they could come in and have a, a year where they could put it all together and end up with nine wins. I think that's totally doable for them, mm-hmm. um, if not more. Uh, they won 30 to 15 against Washington. Obviously, Washington's a bottom five team in the NFL. But they did what they needed to do. Kyler Murray looks great. He He runs. He scores. He has 21 carries and 158 yards in the first uh, two games and three TDs. I mean, Kyler Murray's legit. 
and their defense is improving. So I look for Arizona to keep winning. They have a just they have a favorable schedule. So I would imagine they're going to keep winning. Their depth, San Francisco is, their depth is, is pretty bad. So yeah. I, I actually kind of I kind yeah. of expect Arizona to fade down the stretch a little bit. Just I mean, attrition happens in the NFL, right? Everyone deals with injuries. The Seahawks have um, you know, two of their, you know, top eleven um or top twelve uh defensive players that they now have to replace. Right? It's that kind of stuff happens to every team. I don't see the level of talent on the roster in Arizona to overcome that. Um, but right now they're doing well and I like what they're doing on offense. Every year there's a team that seems to be stricken. And this year that team is San Francisco. And I, I hate injuries. I'm not going to sit here and say um, anything bad about any injured player ever. Uh, it's just a very difficult situation. Um, they've got a lot to overcome. It is going to be very interesting for them. Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas mm-hmm. are out for the year with ACLs. Garoppolo's got a high ankle. He's out at least a game. Could be longer. Those sorts of things sometimes and even can what, take three or four weeks. Uh, a high ankle sprain typically is six weeks, but we yeah. took, we're talking about a quarterback. And especially they came, they came out about, and said that it's less serious than they originally thought. We're also talking about a quarterback who is kind of statuesque in his um, mobility. And prone, apparently. Um, and so therefore, the, he's not a guy that, you know, because if Wilson has a high ankle sprain and it limits his mobility, that's a big deal. Right. Because his mobility and his ability to buy time and do those things is part of what makes Wilson great. Not good. Great. Um, Garoppolo doesn't have that talent. He doesn't have the ability to um, do the things that Russell Wilson does. He's more of a statue uh, pocket passer. And so a high ankle sprain is not going to be as big of a deal for him. We're not going to see as big of a drop off, but it is typically a six week injury. And so he won't be completely healthy for a while. So I think the bigger injury uh, concern for them, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is Raheem Mozart. Um, mm-hmm. Their best running back. Mild MCL sprain, quote unquote, but he's out for at least a few games. Could be half the year, um, depending on, on the severity of this thing. Six and to eight weeks. If you ever saw uh, Mozart, if you saw Mozart run uh, this last week where he scored from like 75 yards out. And then the series later, he scored again from 75 yards out. I kid you not on the same play against the Jets. Um, <laughs> but they called it back on a penalty. Um, he's the real deal. Like he's legit. One of the fastest guys in the NFL mm-hmm. um, speed wise. Like if you clock him, he runs at like 22, 23 miles an hour. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. He's a, um, you know, a guy like Camara is in, uh, new Orleans. He's that guy that nobody really gave a lot of thought at to because he's a little too small and whatever. And sure he's fast, but you know, can you play running back and, and be that size? And the truth is yes. Camara, Camara <laughs> proved it in for, yeah. um, for them, you've got the the guy, the undrafted guy in Denver, um, who is not playing this year because of injury, but he's um, been doing the same thing. And you know Mozart's been great for San Francisco. To lose him, it, it hurts because he gives them that uh, big play threat. That yes, um, yes, you know he he's a he's a game changer. You know he, every once in a while he's just going to take a ball and. You're, you know, you look at the defense and you go, okay, it's a six yard gain. 
and he makes one cut, and instead of a 60-yard gain, it's a 60-yard touchdown. Um, and he's got the kind of electricity that can do that. Um, and to lose him, that's going to hurt. Um, you know, I mean, Garoppolo, I mean, it hurts to lose your quarterback, but... Yeah, well, and they lost Sherman already, and yep. it'll be interesting to see um, how they respond because, you know, a team is only so deep. And then the wheels just start coming off. So we'll see how that affects them in this very competitive division. Mm -hmm. I think long-term that that we might have some issues uh, with with San Francisco, which is good news for the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks, as a team, you need to be able to take advantage of any opportunity that comes up, and this is just one of those deals. The Seahawks don't play San Francisco. Both the games against San Francisco are later in the year. I'm just Um, talking in general record. I know. I'm just record. uh, You're going to start seeing some of those guys back by the time the Seahawks play them. True. That's true. Um, so, how about Los Angeles? A little bit of a surprise to me. Two and zero. Los Angeles beat the Cowboys. The team we're facing next, twenty to seventeen in the first week. Beat the Eagles, which is a team that is worse. It looks like now um, than than everyone assumed that they would be going into the year, the and Eagle, they beat them thirty seven to nineteen. The Eagles have looked terrible. And yeah. oh yeah, bottom, um, bottom of the league, terrible. Yeah, I mean, defensively they have not looked good at all. Offensively, they've really struggled. Carson Wentz has um, regressed. I mean, he's just throwing just head scratching interceptions and all of that. Um, and so we thought, I thought he would. They were going to be a good team. I thought they were going to probably win uh, their division, but now they don't look like they're going to be anything. Um, and then the Cowboys, their defense looks. I think the right word for it is pathetic. Um, but the offense is legit. And so uh, the Rams defense is surprisingly competent given the players that they lost. Yeah, the defensive secondary for Los Angeles is excellent so far, but their run defense is poor. It is. Um, but I I expected their defense overall to be significantly worse than it has been. I um, have been impressed with some of the stuff they've been able to do. I thought their offense was was going to be worse uh, than it has been, but uh, overall they're running the ball well with Henderson, and they're passing great. I have to say, Goff's looked great the first couple of games, but well, they, again, Cowboys and Eagles. Yep, uh, they've played two teams with no defense, so I'm not going to give Goff a lot of credit until I see him do it um, against a team that actually can play defense. Um, and because what we saw last year was anyone with a decent defense just ate him alive. And uh, so we'll see. I, 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 I am not a Jared Goff believer. I never have been. Um, no, I'm and, not either. And I la- liked him at Cal, but other than that. And I, last yeah. year uh, he showed me that he was just not a good player. Um, and I, yes, He's not a good enough player to carry a team. Yeah. Um, he does, he has some great stats, but he's also done it against two of the worst defensive teams in the league. So we will see um, what he looks we'll see like how that down goes. the road. Yeah, but you know what? They're still two and zero. Yeah, it's still they're still on they're still on on target. Like they all I know is as a team, in order to take well. this division, Seattle's going to have to keep winning. That's yep. just the way it's going to be this year. Mm-hmm. So let's talk Dallas Seattle. So uh, Dallas comes to town uh, Sunday for an afternoon game. Uh, Dallas comes off a oh. Very improbable win uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. One of the, that one of the greatest comebacks of all time. I watched this game. I watched uh, the second half of this game. 
Um, and uh, the first half, Dallas w- was all mistakes. So Dallas had four fumbles in the first quarter. They lost three of those. Atlanta led 29 to 10 at halftime. Uh, they were up by 15 points midway through the fourth quarter. And then Dallas decided to not give up, and which was one of the greatest traits uh, that you can have as a football team. And I admire Dallas for that because they didn't give up on this game. And Atlanta made every mistake that you can possibly make as a football franchise in a, in, in the second half of the fourth quarter in order to give the game away. Um, the, the Atlanta was the first team since 1933 to record at least 39 points and zero turnovers and lose the game. 1933 first team out yeah. of thousands of games played. They are the first team to lose. Yeah. Um, they, and, and they, it was crazy. Defensively, they, they, completely just fell apart and really offensively they they tried so hard to end the game by running out the clock that they stopped trying to get first downs they went um you know almost schottenheimer two year last year um you know at it and and they just they beat themselves in terms of some dumb decision making yeah totally And, and the cowboys took advantage um you know, Dak Prescott made some incredible throws. Um, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper made some great catches. They had some huge um, sustained drives um, mm-hmm. of 75 yards, 74 yards, 75 yards, 76 yards, all resulting in touchdowns, not field goals. So that was very yep. instrumental. Yeah. yeah. And, and Atlanta just couldn't get off the field. I mean, they and, just... the, and the onside kick at the end was was ridiculous. It was <laughs> not a special onside kick. It was an average kick and actually, Atlanta just failed to actually it was cover kinda, that ball they could have covered that ball was going so slow and and like spinning on its side towards the 10 yard mark that it needed to go it was it was just kind of sitting there rotating so and players were staring at the ball waiting for it to move forward because you Atlanta know, could have fell on that ball at any moment well, and it would have been over when the ball was kicked it looked like it was going to go four yards and and die peter out and and so they're like okay we're just gonna let it do that because if it doesn't go 10 yards the only way the cowboys can recover is if one of us touch it um and so they're like don't touch it stay back just leave it um let the cowboys down the ball and we get the ball and then it it had all that spin and it just took this right hand turn and went from a a ball that looked like it was only going to go four yards forward to one that suddenly was rolling right at that 10 yard mark. And you could see the Atlanta players panicking and not knowing, do I dive on it and take a chance of being the guy that touches it and lets the Cowboys have it? Or do we wait? Is it going to stop? They don't, didn't know, but there was this look of panic on a lot of the Falcons. And um, ultimately it crossed the line and the Cowboys dove on it and got it. And um, you know, I mean the Falcon players, clearly had no clue what was going on there when it was first hit they were right to not want to touch it but when it took that right hand turn because of all the spin and started rolling at the 10 yard mark by then it was too late because the atlanta players had backed off too far and the and the, the, the dallas off. cowboy dude was hovering right on the ball yeah. and so he was ready to pounce as soon as it as crossed. soon as it crossed the line yep um That's all it took. and so it was and that was the game yeah. I mean, they won forty to thirty nine on a last second field goal. But that was honestly, that was an incredible kick. I mean, it 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 happened 
perfectly. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those Did things. Did you see the way that they put that uh, ball on the ground before he kicked it too? He just laid it flat on the ground without uh-huh. a tee and, and kicked the corner of it and let it do its thing. Yep. That was an interesting. It's a soccer move right way, there. Way to do it. Yeah. Um, it was, it's like a, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so they come to town. Um, Dak Prescott and company, Ezekiel Elliott had 22 uh, carries, 89 yards. CD Lamb is emerging as a rookie. Uh, Mari Cooper, they both had over 100 yards. Their, their uh, tight end, Dalton Schultz, looked good at nine receptions for 88 yards. And a touchdown. They're all offense, right? They're all an offense uh, team. Their defense doesn't have anything. They don't have a secondary. Uh, they don't have a pass rush right now. And so... Um, I look for Seattle to keep scoring points and uh, our defense to just come up with just enough. I mean, it's just one of those, it's, it's going to be the formula of the year. Mm-hmm. Seattle's going to score. It doesn't matter who you, who, what defense they face and can Seattle's defense do enough against whatever team we face to get the, to get the win. And I think that's, that's the deal. And I think they do against Dallas. I think that you can look at, um, the fact that, you know, the Bruce Irvin injury is going to put a more athletic, more dynamic player on the field in uh, Jordan Brooks, and it's going to force Pete Carroll to play the guy who looks like their best pure pass rusher in Alton Robinson. It's crazy um, how things work sometimes. It, as good as Bruce Irvin is, and he is, he's a very good player. And I know that some people don't like him, and for some reason there are fans that just don't think he's good, but he is a very good player. As good as he is, the defense might be better now that Alton Robinson and Jordan Brooks are taking his snaps because both of those players are special athletes. And that might be what makes the difference. In the long run, I think that might definitely help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So So what? what is your kind of... Uh... Oh, I see. Out, this, outlook for this thing. This is going to be a shootout. I've got the Seahawks winning um, 34-31. Wow. Really? Yeah. Just an absolute shootout. Yeah. I I so want my, my team's defense to be better and hold teams down more than that. So I hesitate to, to give teams that many points against the Seahawks. But quite frankly, I don't know if it matters. Um <laughs> The way that Russell Wilson playing, it, I mean, doesn't. <laughs> I easily see the Seattle putting up forty points on this team or more, um, in a shootout kind of game where I think mistakes tell the the tale in the end, and so um, it'll be interesting. I I think it's going to be like thirty eight or forty one or forty three to like twenty six. Seven, something like that, or twenty six. So you think the Seahawks are gonna are gonna win a, an easier game? When you know, um, yeah, I think it's gonna be th- like an Atlanta like thirty eight twenty seven. I, yes. I can see that. I can, I can totally see that. I I um I think that that's definitely possible. But notice what we're talking about with the Seahawks offense. Like we are just straight up just assuming they're gonna score thirty or more points. And yeah, yeah. There it's is, going to take a special defense to slow down Russell Wilson. This there year. is zero reason, having watched Wilson and the rest of the offense play these first two weeks, 
and having watched the Cowboys' defense play these first two weeks, there is zero reason to think that Wilson is and the offenses are not going to put up 30, 35, 38. Baltimore um, Ravens' defense kind of scares me a little bit, but anybody else doesn't really. Not against Wilson. I would have said San Francisco two weeks ago. <laughs> That's true. But, I mean, lose, but then you, again, but you look lose, at what we did last year. You lose um, you know, their best member of the secondary and Richard Sherman. They lost... Um, their best defensive lineman um, in Bosa, their uh, and in free agency as well. Their fourth best defensive lineman in Solomon Thomas, um, you know. So the, the one guy that you know that might come in and and replace some of Bosa's production, they're both gone. Uh, I mean, I don't. That defense doesn't scare anyone anymore. Maybe. No, they still got good players. Eric Amstert's good. Ken Law looks like he, I mean, he's really inconsistent, but when he flashes, They're one of those teams, Keith, it's like so. a, um, like a, a number 10 overall. I mean, they, they would have been number two, three, four defense overall. Mm-hmm. Now they're kind of like a number 10 defense overall, and they've got kind of a number 10 offense overall. So they're not terrible, mm-hmm. but they're not special like they were last year, I don't think. And yeah. so I think Seattle has really turned the, the tail this year. Their offense is so good that I think it's it's going to win them tons of games this year. And anytime you have Russell Wilson to, to lead a, a, a last second drive or whatever, uh, you're always going to come out favorably there. And so it, it's team, definitely Seattle's defense, Keith, that I'm worried about. And I don't know how worried I need to be about it yet because we just haven't played enough games. Yeah. And I want to see things tend to tighten up with Pete Carroll over time. And I'm hoping that that's true. And I'm hoping that maybe we go shopping a little bit here and we, Maybe bring a player in that we don't we aren't thinking about yet. Maybe it is uh, the the guy we hate, uh, we don't want to see on the team. But maybe that's what we need at this point. I don't know. Um, but uh, gets I think the the team is one player away. Yeah. Um. They they need it. They need a consistent pass rusher, someone that they know can get them. You know, um, a few extra pressures where the guys that now uh, that are on the team now just wouldn't get well i'd like um, to see mayo mayo i'd like to see alton robinson take uh 20 snaps away from uh mayo yeah i would like to see um mayo get an opportunity out there and i want to see that um i want to see it happen uh i think he his first step is so quick we're talking alton robinson alton robinson he has a chance to be special um, he really does. And I want to see him get a chance to, to do it. And if he can, well, a lot of folks, it. I went back and I looked at a lot of draft stuff this last week. I don't know why I was just poking around and I was, and I, I was looking at Alton Robinson and I was looking at Daryl Taylor and there were a lot of services that had Alton Robinson rated higher than, uh, Taylor. Because athletically and, he is better. And Alton so I want to see that on the field. Alton Robinson dropped to the fifth round because of maturity issues off field. I hope stuff, maturity kind of issues aren't a reason that he's not being activated right now. Yeah. I mean, and we just don't know because stuff like that doesn't get out. Yeah. I mean, we haven't heard any of that. If anything had happened where it had been, you know, in the public domain, um, right. You know, it would have been, you know, he could be late for meetings. He could be, cavalier attitude wise maybe hasn't bought in completely on i don't know all that kind of stuff you wouldn't have heard pete carroll talk about how great he's looked 
if I'm any just of looking that was for true. reasons why they've held him back other than the veteran presence that have been in front of him, I considering think... that he was getting starter reps in camp. Mm-hmm. And now he looks like he may get starter reps in the regular season, thanks to the Irvin injury. Um, and I'm all I'm here for it. I want to see what he does. I have high expectations for him. I think he can be very good. So are we looking at a special year, Keith, or what? Yeah, I was trying to find a team that kind of reminded me of this, and I kept going back to the um, the Peyton Manning Colts teams that were great on offense and typically kind of terrible on defense. Um, they had Dwight Feeney, and that's it. Yeah, they had that, um, Dwight Freeney, and then they had um, Bob Sanders at safety. And the two of them, That's right. the two right. of them were the only thing going for that team on defense. And everyone else was just mediocre. Um, and they won a lot of games and they won a Super Bowl. Um, they could have won more had they had any defense whatsoever. Um, but ultimately, you know, they had two two good defensive players. And then I look at Seattle and I go, okay, they've got more talent on defense than any of those um, Manning and ETMs. It's true. Um, they lack it in a key spot, and that's the pass rush, but they still have significantly more talent, but the offense is it's putting up numbers like those, and it has it's a potential. It, it, it's hard because you know Seattle's going to go up in games, right? And so you know teams are going to be playing from behind. Mm-hmm. And so you know this is going to be an issue all yep. all season. You're going to want... Um, you're gonna you're gonna want a pass rusher. A couple years ago, they went and it, speaking of Dwight Freeney, um, they signed Dwight Freeney. Um, after the start of the year, he was just sitting at home. They brought him in. They played him for a couple of games, and then ultimately they 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 cut him, uh, which was surprising to everyone because he had played okay, mm-hmm. um, you know, in his 15 snaps a game. But they needed a roster spot, and they thought, you know, they let him go for a week and then bring him back, and and he ended up going elsewhere, but. Um, you know, they, it's not like they haven't done it before. I could see them going, looking for and finding someone who can come in and just give Is it Clay Matthews, Keith? Is it? No. I mean, he had eight sacks last year on 13 games. Yes, but. uh, He's horrible. What was the rest? I don't like him. What was the rest? He had 13 sacks. But what was the rest of his pass 13 games, eight sacks. Sorry, eight sacks, 13 games. What was the rest of his pass rush like? What was the rest of his... Um, yeah, I don't uh, know. He, he got home on, on eight plays. But he didn't provide much pressure outside of those eight plays. I just don't think he has anything left in the tank. Um, and there are other options out there. Um, not many. Not many, but there are. Um, and... You know, pull someone out of retirement and and get them in shape and all of that. I could see it. Um, at some point, they are going to have to find a pass rusher. They just have to. If the offense is going to be putting up these kind of points, the other teams are going to be playing from behind. They're going to be throwing 40, 50 times a game, which is what we've seen these last two weeks. You've got to have some extra pass rushers in there to get pressure and, um, you know, make some plays. All right. So... After this next week, uh, we what do we do, Keith? We face in the um, the Cowboys, and then it's the Dolphins. After that, uh, we're traveling to Miami, so that'll be uh, and the Mi- the a- Dolphins have looked 
awful. Yeah, they're they're about bottom feeder this year for sure. Um, and after that, it's the Vikings, um, at the Seahawks, have, and they haven't looked very good either. In, in the fact, Vi- Kirk Cousins looked horrible. Yeah, the Vikings have been a massive disappointment so far this year. Good news for the Seahawks. Yep, our schedule is looking actually better than uh, it did at the beginning uh, when we made the predictions, as far as teams. Oh yeah, because we were like better or worse the, or whatever. Um, the uh, the Eagles were one of those teams that were like, okay, that's a good, yep. that's a pretty good team. That could be a yep. loss. And right now, right now, they just look awful. They just don't look like a good football team. And the 49ers are having their challenges. You know, mm-hmm. Buffalo looks pretty good. Rams are looking a little stronger than maybe they you know thought what? they were. If you think back to all the preseason and stuff, I told you that if if Jared Allen could play, um, sorry, not Jared Allen, if Josh Allen could play good at quarterback, the rest of that roster was mm-hmm. ready to win now. And guess yeah. what? Guess what Josh Allen is doing? Yeah, he's, he's one of the highest-rated quarterbacks uh, last week. Yeah, he has he has really stepped up and played well. Now I know um, people want to see it happen more than just a couple of weeks and more against you know awful um, defensive teams, which is he's played two bad defensive teams. But so far, so good. He has stepped up and done what they needed to do. And if he continues to do that, if he continues to play well, Buffalo is a very dangerous team in the AFC. I think that's who Arizona plays next too. That'll be interesting to see what they can do. With, with those guys mm-hmm. all right keith um let's wrap this thing up uh thanks for joining us thanks for listening tell your friends and family um and, sh- and share the show uh you can find keith on twitter at myers nfl i'm at nw seahawk the show is at hawks playbook on twitter seahawksplaybook.com has all of the podcasts uh, on our own website and you can find the show on your favorite podcast app and subscribe and make sure you get that in your feed every week until next time Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.